everybody. Welcome to the Ralph Shaheen Show presented by Lucas Oil. Track proven, race ready. Find Lucas Oil retailers at lucasoil.com. Today we are thrilled to have on a really good friend of ours here at Speed Sport and a personal buddy. A man who certainly has made his name as a championship winning crew chief. He's won championships in a lot of different forms of motorsports and been a part of a lot of different successful programs. He's a NASCAR team owner but legendary for the partnership with Jeff Gordon. Of course, I'm talking about Ray Everham. Ray, welcome to the show today. Hey, Ralph. Thanks for having me. You know, I I don't want to spend a ton of time going over uh, everything you did in stock car racing because that's been well chronicled, uh, going back to your days working at IROC. And, of course, everything you did with Jeff, you guys won literally every major race there was, Daytona 500, Coke uh, 600, uh, the Brickyard, uh, you owned your own NASCAR team, success there with, with Casey Atwood, Casey Kane, uh, Bill Elliott, a lot of things you've done. Um, but what I want to know, when you look back on your NASCAR career, is there anything you left on the table? Anything you wish you'd done? Oh, gosh. <clears throat> um, so I'm a little under the weather, Ralph, so I might cough a little bit here and there, but wanted to, certainly wanted to talk to you today. The um the thing, the thing I wish I'd have done the most is put another gallon of gas in that Charlotte car that we ran out of gas leading uh, the Winston. <laughs> yeah, I think was the one to go. You know, I look back and think, man, there's there's plenty of woulda, shoulda, coulda. Um, I don't have a lot of regrets uh, in in my career. Uh, I, I I look at the races that I think that uh, some decisions I made or uh, things you know, hurt us, but. Uh, you know that 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 one race is the race uh, I, I'd certainly like to have back. Other than that, you know, I really feel like we we delivered as a team. That that was that that team was a phenomenal organization to be part of because everybody kind of backed everybody else up. And and that day that uh, we we made that mistake at Charlotte, leading that race, uh, I think it was two hundred thousand dollars to win. We were a lap away, and that was that was a. That was purely a mistake on my part. So that that one still haunts me. So if that's the one that you left on the table, what's the one you're the most proud of? I think uh, the most proud win that we have is the million-dollar win in 1997 at Darlington because that's a race that we did not have the fastest car. We did not have uh, a winning car. We had tested that car. We built it to go and run that race. It just didn't. It didn't go good at the test. We brought it home, cut it up, put a snout on it, made some changes, went back, thought we had speed. But we were about a fifth-place car all day long, and we kept making changes. You know, we made so many pit stops that day. I think we even got a lap down it at one point. Uh, we were about out of tires. I think we we did borrow tires, uh, take some tires from the 5 or the 25 car, one of our teammates, which we were allowed to do at that time. Um, you know, we were we had made 16 pit stops, I, I think, and made a ton of changes and ended up staying in the hunt. Uh, Jeff did a fantastic job behind the wheel. The pit crew did an amazing job making all those changes, and I felt like I was calling a good race. And that day we won uh, a million-dollar bonus in our, uh, I think, our third straight Southern 500 at, at that time uh, with about a fifth-place car. And when I look back at that race, I think that was probably our greatest race as a team, because that that was purely done with the with with the team, not not so much with the machine. As you look at yourself as a uh, a crew chief and a team leader, do you think you were a better 
technical guy, as an engineer working with those guys, or were you better as a race strategist? Oh, boy. You know, I, I think when you're a racer, you know, back then we didn't have a giant engineering staff. I have one engineer, Brian Weitzel, you know, and I, I was kind of the other one with no uh, no real, um, you know, college engineering credits for sure. And, you know, we, we had uh, Rex Stump and Gary Aker, two brilliant guys, but they were for all of uh, of Hendrick. So you had to do all those things. And, and I think that I, I did a, a good job as, you know, a technical guy, car designer, builder, coming up with ideas uh, as part of the team there at the shop. And then, you know, at the racetrack, I, I I felt my strength was being at the racetrack, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday part. And again, during the race, you know, coming up with strategy back then was a lot different than it is now because we had more tools in the toolbox to use, and there were a lot more cautions, and there were the the, the race uh, was, I think, a little bit easier to read and to gamble because you knew that it was going to be broken up into a lot more segments than it is just because there were a higher number of cautions. So, you know, I, I don't know which of those things I was better at because I, I really enjoyed both of those. Uh, I, I enjoyed building the cars and coming up with, with new things. And I, I also really enjoyed uh, our strategy throughout the weekend, not just on Sunday because, you know, getting ready to qualify used to be a really cool deal on on Friday, and then understanding what you wanted to accomplish on Saturday in your two practices, and 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 turning that into a test, and then of course Sunday. You know, I've always said to people that being a crew chief back in the day, before you had five engineers on the box and all kind of electronic data being thrown at you, and data in the cars and this and that, it was kind of like playing a multi-level chess game where you know you'd break down what you you were running your race but other people were running theirs and you had to really pay attention a good bit back then and you know i remember those guys playing those three and four level chess games and i thought well that's a lot like it you know because on one hand you'd be you'd be trying to battle you know mark martin and jimmy fennigan over here you'd be trying to battle you know todd parrott and dale jarrett and then you'd have jimmy maycar and bobby labani over here and, and sometimes it was three different strategies you had going on yeah, that was a lot of fun to watch to see it all unfold, too. So, okay, so that's the race strategy part of it. Uh, on the technical side, probably the one car that gets talked about the most, the Tyrannosaurus Rex car, the T-Rex, uh, and that's the one because you got, quote-unquote, caught and told, don't bring it back. What's the one that slipped through that they didn't know about that maybe you think well, was even better creative than, than the one that got caught? Well, first of all, the, the uh, T-Rex didn't slip through. That car was built 100% by the rule book, 100%. Uh, didn't slip through, was totally inspected. But the fact that it was so fast uh, that night at the Winston, they changed all the rules the next day and, and outlawed the car. And it was really kind of funny the way it went down um, because uh, Jeff and I were, had won the race. We were out there celebrating, doing all this, that. I came back in the garage area, and they said um, – Mr. France wants to see you. <laughs> so I thought he wanted to congratulate you. Bill and I were friends, you know. He was like, hey, you know, I'd been out on the boat, the fishing trips and all that. And, and uh, so I went in the truck and uh, up in the red and white hauler back then, you know, there wasn't a bunch of cell phones and stuff yet. You know, it wasn't all digital. He Remember, they used to park by the building and he'd plug that yep. phone into the wall. He had a phone line. And he had his, you know, his it was push button phone back then, wasn't the dial. But he said, uh, hey, um, you need to pick up that phone right there and call your boss and tell him that car is illegal. And I was like, no, no, Bill, it's, it's not. It's perfectly illegal. It's, it, it, 
it's built by the rules. It made all the rules. And he looked at me and he said, it won't tomorrow. <laughs> so, and so, so the T-Rex was a legal car. Uh, the, the other stuff, I, I feel like in general, we came up with a lot of things that, that I am proud of. Now um, we pushed really hard uh, on, on a lot of downforce uh, uh, things and a lot of mechanical things uh, back then that we did long before other people uh, along with the development of, of shock absorbers and unsprung weight and, and things that I had learned to do uh, with, with the short track stuff. And honestly, a lot of the safety things that we see now were, were things I felt like we started with Jeff Gordon, the, the carbon monoxide scrubbers and yeah. the, the cooling of the driver seats and leg supports and uh, a lot of those things. So uh, as I look back at evolution, it's, I, I, see, I still see some of the things that we started done on the cars today and 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 feel like um you know we were we had a little bit of uh of push on some of the safety stuff as well uh as far as anything that ever got away with um Ralph, I'm going to tell you, I never got away with anything because our cars were always 100% legal on the money. <laughs> there you go. Uh, how about the coaching tree as well? You know, they talk about in the NFL, you take a guy like Bill Walsh and you can see all the head coaches that came out of that. They might have worked with him as an assistant. Same thing happened with you. There's a lot of guys like Chad Knauss, for example, that worked under you that have gone on to great success in the NASCAR garage on their own. And I'm really proud of that. Uh, I think that is the the, the greatest, uh, I think, legacy that you can leave with other people who followed you and and not only follow you, but take your systems and improve on them. And, you know, I look back to the people who taught me, like Jay Signori from IROC and Banjo Matthews and people like that, and think, okay, they taught me, I taught Chad, and we, we had these systems, this culture, and and it keeps evolving and, and uh, again, uh, I'm really proud of that. When I look at that tree, uh, with with not only Chad but Steve Letard and Kenny Francis and yep. Rodney Childers and you know uh, guys that that have come up in, in won races and and now are leaders in in other areas, proud of, of that as well as some of the guys that that are behind the scenes that worked under uh, my business structure and the car building and managing the teams like Michael Landis and Brian Weitzel and guys that, that are still at Hendrick and are big parts of that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, your thoughts on NASCAR today. Uh, are you okay with it, or do you think you could fix it? Um, you know, that's a, that's a, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent okay with it. Uh, I would like to try and help be part of something that I don't want to say fix it because it's it has some struggles, but I don't I don't want to look at it like it's broken. Um, it probably needs to be I think refined in in some areas and uh, and maybe uh, maybe held back a little bit in others. Um, I, I think the sport has gotten overregulated so much to where it's confusing to fans and to people. And just heard the other day that. You know, now the tire thing is changing, and you absolutely have to change your left sides, outside tires first before you can change your inside tires. And it's exit distance on a, you know, this guy, you know, running around the wall is an uncontrolled tire, and this isn't. I thought to myself, man, you know, an uncontrolled tire used to be one that was rolling down pit road, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, half of the fun was being able to, to, design your pit stop or design your car or to suit the talent that you had on your team. I think that we're starting to maybe have the 
competition too much about the sanctioning body when they're really designing the car, they're kind of designing the motor, they're designing the setup. Because when you design a car and and you have to run it this way, the computer tells you, it gives you the setup, you know, the simulation and, and whatnot, and the driver has to drive it that way because that's what the computer says. And now we're saying, okay, look, now you got to do the pit stop this way. I, I would like to see them put more emphasis on the human competition on the, on the talent of the driver the talent of the crew chief the talent of the the, the pit crew and the, the men on the team I, I think that's where the sport's hurting right now um, I do think the sport is healthy with the talent level that it, it's bringing in some of these young drivers that, that are coming up through pretty excited about you know you've got guys right now like like chase elliott and and ryan blaney and uh you know eric jones and you know guys that are that are you know look at joey logano god our, our champion still a kid you know there's a, a lot of young talent that in this sport right now and um i, I think we're really healthy there i, I like what steve phelps it how he's looking at things with the business and bringing the bringing the bringing the cars maybe back a little bit to some short track racing and doing some things. So I think they've got some really good ideas. I would just like to see them put a little bit more emphasis back into giving giving the show back to the, the people, not just the machine. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Final NASCAR question before we uh, take a quick break and move on to some of the fun stuff you're doing these days. Nobody knows Jeff Gordon better than you. Tell me one thing about Jeff we don't know. Or maybe with surprises. You know, the um, somebody asked me that question when we were inducting Jeff into the NMPA. And I'll, I told them the same thing I'll tell you. When you look back at Jeff Gordon, a lot of people don't understand how really tough Jeff Gordon is. I, and I want to say was, because if I say was, he'll punch me in the nose when he sees me, because <laughs> he'll say, oh, I'm still tough. But, you know, you look at... Jeff Gordon, the, the Iron Man streak, the longest streak in NASCAR right now without missing a race. Who has that? Jeff Gordon. Yeah. And the times that I watched him get out of cars, sick to his stomach, throw up leading the the Southern 500 because it's so hot in the car, comes down pit road, throws up. You need a backup driver? No, I'm fine now. I just, you know, thrown up. Just give me some water, you know get out of a car in victory lane at Watkins Glen and we've got to bandage his hand up because it's bleeding so badly because the, the shifter broke and he, he, he wore a hole through the palm of his hand, you know, shifting the car and never said a word to anybody. Um, he went through much of his early career in, in, uh, 94, uh, with, with a giant cyst at his back that he finally had to get removed, you know, but week after week, get out of the car and, in in so much pain and and you know i watched that guy time after time give everything he had to get that car in 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 front to when he climbed out but he had nothing left or be in pain from you know from as i said from being being ill had had um being sick or had had hurt his hand and and did not miss a race and you know i tell people all the time that guy is way tougher than everybody always gave him credit for you know, because he wasn't he wasn't a tough guy that came in. He didn't wear the black hat. He was a white hat guy, and he wore sneakers, and he did with and everybody, and he was a kid, and he was a nice guy. But I, I tell everybody, look, A, he's tough, and B, don't piss him off, because he will punch you. <laughs> and I think he showed that in his later years. You know? Yeah, 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Great <laughs> stuff, right? When we come back, we're going to talk to Ray about the ghost and Pike's Peak and some of the other fun stuff that he has going on these days. So stay with us right here on the Ralph Shaheen Show, presented by Lucas Oil. Lucas Oil, track-proven, race-ready. Find a Lucas Oil retailer at lucasoil.com. We'll be right back. Lucas Complete Engine Treatment is a multifunctional cleaner plus lubricant from the labs at Lucas Oil Products. It's designed for use in both engine oil and fuel systems. It also cleans and lubricates the entire gas or diesel fuel system from the tank to injectors. It contains special Lucas additives that cause the fuel to burn thoroughly and helps increase your miles per gallon. Expect longer engine life, longer oil life, cleaner exhaust, and less fuel consumption. Lucas Oil Complete Engine Treatment. It works. Race fans, it's Ralph Shaheen, and like you, I have a huge passion for racing. With the most in-depth features on racers, series, and events, no one covers racing better than America's original motorsports publication, Speedsport. Get your subscription to Speedsport Magazine today at speedsport.com. Welcome back to the Ralph Shaheen Show, presented by Lucas Oil. Lucas Oil, track proven, race ready. You can find a Lucas Oil retailer at lucasoil.com. You know, Speed Sport Magazine is celebrating our 85th anniversary. We started in 1934 in New Jersey. And if you'd like to get a copy of Speed Sport, you can sign up for your subscription today at speedsport.com. Ray, you're a kid of New Jersey, too. Uh, how did New Jersey shape you as a racer? Well, I started uh, just a few years after 1934. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's some great racers in New Jersey. And growing up, there's some great racetracks, you know, Wall Stadium and Old Bridge. And, there were, you know, there, there was East Windsor and Flemington and Harmony. And, you know, the Bridgeport uh, came on a little bit later, Trenton. So we used to get a lot of the greats through the great IndyCar drivers and stock car drivers came to Trenton every year, and the, the uh, NASCAR guys would come up and run Wall Stadium. And then if you wanted to see some dirt racing, you know, really close to Nazareth, Pennsylvania, there was the mile track and the, and the half-mile track. And, of course, you know, to me, the greatest race driver in the world, you know, lived right up the road in Nazareth, Pennsylvania, Mario Andretti, still does. Yep. Um, but, you know, the... It just was something that I loved, and I remember going to early races at Old Bridge Speedway and then uh, East Windsor Speedway, and then finally with at Wall Stadium with my uncle Nick. Uh, my my mom and dad really weren't into racing, but my my uncle knew that I loved cars, and he said, "Come on, I'm gonna take you to the races, and we're gonna go see these modified cars." And uh, you got my uncle Nick was a little bit like W. C. Fields. He just <laughs> he looked like him, he sounded like him, and he you know he always made everything bigger than it was, and all the way going up to you know, uh, to, to Old Bridge or something, he'd be telling the story, why, Raymond, we've got that, you'll see this XL1 car, and my God, this is, <laughs> it's a rocket ship, and he would just build these, you know, he would have made a great announcer, Ralph, because he, he, he would build these guys up and just make it so exciting for me, and and I just fell in love with the with the open-wheel modifieds uh, immediately, and uh, and that, to me, is all I wanted to do growing up, and I, I was doing that, and then the IROC series showed up uh, in New Jersey, and, and I went over there and thought, hmm, maybe I can talk my way into getting an IndyCar ride from this guy, Roger Penske. And that right there was really the biggest uh, break in my life. Well, I know that 
Wall Stadium uh, is near and dear to your heart. And sadly, we've all learned now that it's going to be shutting down sooner than we all would like to see. Uh, what was it about Wall that uh, stole your heart as a racer? Well, again, you know, you you love those modifieds, and you go out there, and you're a kid in the stands, and you're watching the modifieds go around, and those those Saturday night guys are your heroes, right? You, they're, you're, they're they're larger than life at that time, uh, and the, those local modifieds at that time, gas, you know, almost every gas station up and down the Jersey Shore there had a modified in it, so you could go over there and see them. But on, on Saturday night, it was the social event; it was the the big thing to do. And when I started driving there. Um, you know, uh, again, I met a lot of great people and got to compete against a lot of great people um, working my way up through the modifieds. People like Gil Hearn and Tony Siscone, Charlie Kremer, Jim Hoffman, you know, th- th- not household names in-, in auto racing, but certainly household names up in in the Jersey Shore. And there's just something, still love the modifieds today. You and I do the uh, the... the the NASCAR Modified shows on NBC, and we yep. have a blast doing them because they're exciting cars. I think they're still the sexiest cars yeah. uh, on the planet, and uh, you know I, I, I still love to uh, love to drive the Modifieds. And outside of Wall Stadium, maybe the one you love the most after that is Riverhead. Riverhead, yeah, the Riverhead. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it's the track or the people I love the most uh, about the Riverhead. You know, um, obviously Long Island has long been. Uh, a, a great base for some incredible modified drivers like Charlie Dazon back and Tom Baldwin, Wayne Anderson, Fred Harback, all those guys. And I, again, fortunate enough to have raced uh, with all those guys. And even I met a lot of great people and still know a lot of great people from the Long Island area. And unfortunately, you know, like uh, Wall Stadium going away, Islip went away, Freeport went away, and they're, they're fighting hard to keep Riverhead going anyway. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, you've gone ahead now and built what you think is a modern version of what a modified could be, and you've named it the Ghost. I've seen it. It's incredible. For those that don't know what you did, explain a little bit about how that whole process came together. Well, as a kid, right, you know, you've got this thing in in, in your mind that, you know, and and a lot of kids growing up, wow, you know, the Hemi Challenger uh, is is your, your dream car or the you know the the sixty eight sixty nine Corvette or Camaro you know Mustang and you carry that with you and guys uh, as they get older they go back and they go to to Barrett Jackson or Meekum and they buy a you know they buy a you know a, a Challenger a, you know a Cuda whatever but with me you know my my dream car was nineteen thirty six Chevy sedan modified fuel injected that I could run at Wall Stadium and Trenton and Langhorn and and race with those guys. The tough thing was, as I got older, the technology that I have learned about has changed. So we decided that just Eddie Bone and and Dan Baker and I, the guys that work with me here, decided that we're going to build a car the old way that we used to build it. We're not going to have a bunch of engineers breathing down our neck, telling us we've got to do this, got to do that. We're going to take everything that we've learned over the years, and we're going to just start with some tubing and some drawings, and we're going to build my 36 Chevy, and we're just going to go vintage modified racing. Well, then we decide that we should use the technology like we've got now, and we don't really get enough time to go fast and race vintage modifies, so we're going to make this into a road race car. And it got a little out of control, Ralph. <laughs> so we ended up with a, a 1936 Chevy sedan body, all steel. You know, it's a real steel 1936 Chevy sedan body. It's got an all-aluminum, a 410-cubic-inch SB2 in it. 
It's a full um, flat bottom diffuser, air jack kind of indie car uh, looking um, piece. It uh, it makes a hundred. Uh, it makes three. Sorry, three thousand pounds of downforce at one hundred and eighty miles an hour. It runs the same speed as the Trans Am cars. Uh, just about everywhere we take it, Road Atlanta, um, VIR, uh, Indy on the uh, on the the brickyard there on the road course. We took it to Pikes Peak last year and won the experimental um, exhibition class. Uh, actually, had went head to head with Reese Millen and Bentley there, yeah. and and now we're headed to Pocono in a few weeks to go and run 200 miles per hour on the front straightaway, and then the car will go to Daytona to run on the high banks uh, in November there with the HSR. And then we'll load it up on a ship, and it heads over to New Zealand and run in Rod Millen's Leadfoot Festival. I but hadn't even a, heard of it's that. It's a pretty uh, unique car. What, what is the Leadfoot Festival? The Leadfoot Festival is New Zealand's version of Goodwood, if you okay. have it. Rod Millen has a one-mile uh, driveway to his house, and he puts on an incredible uh, event of vintage cars and new cars, and he brings in thousands of people from all over New Zealand, and they, they camp there and whatnot for three or four days, and he brings cars in from all over the world, and they do the same kind of format that they do at Goodwood. That's incredible. I hadn't heard of that one. Okay, so that's what's happening with the Ghost. Um, is the Ghost going to continue to develop uh, and evolve, or do you have another mad scientist project hidden away that we don't know about? Well, I don't know if it's a mad scientist project, but Mr. Hendrick and I got kicking around a couple things of stuff that um, we could do and do together. And I said, why don't you let me build you a Corvette version of the Ghost? Because, you know, he he, yeah. he 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 is this Corvette, you know, somewhere. Right. I know he, he he says he doesn't, but somewhere we know he's got. He's got to have Corvette tattooed right on him somewhere, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody loves Corvettes more than this guy. Uh, so we've got, <laughs> we've got a, a Corvette uh, replica Grand Sport body. Okay. So we're we're, we're going to build a Grand Sport, 1963 Grand Sport Corvette version of the Ghost. And Mr. Hendrick uh, and the guys at Hendrick, uh, his engine shop, have already got the engine done for the car and whatnot. And it's normally aspirated, and it already makes almost. I, I want to say we're close, but it's right at a thousand horsepower. Oh my lord! And so we are going to we're going to build this uh, build this car and do the same things. Uh, okay. And uh, I think this is the car that that will break some of the ghost records. I do want to take it to Pikes Peak. I don't think that my wife or Mister Hendrick will let me drive this one, so we're going to have to get somebody <laughs> else to do it. Well, that's the that's the next question. Obviously, your wife Erin, uh, very qualified and decorated racer in her own right. What's in the pipeline for her? She's having a blast doing the Wing Nation show. That show's really growing. She she really enjoys it. Now, you know, we, we have a, a – Kate, our daughter, is four years old today. Yeah. Uh, and she is really having a lot of fun with her. I think she still has an inkling, and she keeps her eye on, on wanting to get back in. I think she'd like to do a little bit of the road racing with us. So we, we're looking at some opportunities with her to, to – um, she really likes the Porsche-type uh, stuff. You know, she doesn't uh, – not so – excited about some of the vintage stuff like we've got you know where you're you're shifting and and hoping the brakes work uh, (laughs) and stuff like that but she said give me some paddles and some good brakes and maybe i'll think about it but uh you know every once in a while i think that the sprints or midget still catches her eye so i as much as she says that she's done i'm not so sure that we we uh 
we've seen the last of her getting in a race car. I'm, I'm sure we haven't because she's got to set the bar for your daughter, who I know is uh, already <laughs> working on being a, a wheel woman, as I've seen her tooling around in her hot-rodded electric vehicles, right? Listen, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back and wrap things up with Ray. We've got a couple of questions left. Stay with us for more of the Ralph Shaheen Show presented by Lucas Oil. One of the main reasons for poor vehicle performance is a dirty fuel system. It can cause decreased fuel economy and actually do harm to your engine over time. By adding Lucas Fuel Treatment to your vehicle, it cleans and lubricates the entire fuel system. Pump, carburetors, fuel injectors, and valves as you drive. It also improves your vehicle's performance. It's a non-solvent product designed to protect both gasoline and diesel engines. Lucas Fuel Treatment. It works. We will be celebrating Speed Sports' 85th anniversary this year. Incredible how time flies by. To help commemorate the occasion, we've unveiled the Vault Collection of merchandise. A really cool variety of t-shirts, hats, posters, and a lot more. It's all available right now in the store at SpeedSport.com. Shop for yourself or get a gift or two for your racing buddies. The Vault Collection of merchandise. Available now in the store at SpeedSport.com. Welcome back to the Ralph Shaheen Show, presented by Lucas Oil. Of course, Lucas Oil, track proven, race ready. You can find a uh, Lucas Oil retailer at lucasoil.com. Our guest today is Ray Evernham, of course, very successful and decorated crew chief and team owner in the NASCAR world. And, and now, Ray, I kid with you all the time about when I grow up, I want to be Ray Evernham because as I look around at all my racing buddies, I don't know anybody outside of maybe two who are having as much fun just in racing as you the only two i can think of are maybe mr h mr hendrick has a really good time with everything he's got going on collecting corvettes and racing his cup teams and and all that and tony stewart but tony is pretty much even though he owns the cup teams on the side he's just driving sprint cars you are everywhere you're driving all kinds of different things all kinds of different venues uh as, as you look forward you know you're not certainly retired but in these relaxing days, if you will, what do you want to accomplish behind the wheel? Uh, you know, I, I really I want to continue to work on my road racing skill. That's a challenge for me. Um, you know, when I put Bill Elliott or Boris said in one of my cars, they're always faster than I am. And everybody's like, well, heck, you know, that's Bill and Boris. But that, that gives you something to shoot for. I, I do like to drive. Um, and Ralph, with me, I've always just loved cars, and I love to drive. I love to drive the cars, um, and I've been able to check off some things on my bucket list. I want to drive a sprint car. Now, I didn't drive a 410 sprint car, but I, I drove the 305 car, and then I ran a couple of 360 races. And but I you drove like, oh, Knoxville. Wow, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My first sprint car race was at Knoxville, a little bit. But that's probably not the smartest thing I ever did, <laughs> but still. Uh, 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 a lot of fun, and I, I've been able to cross some some key racetracks off of my bucket list. We went and ran Sebring uh, in February, which was you know one of the places that I that I'd wanted to run. The Pikes Peak thing was a, a big thing yeah. to me. We we had a car invited to Pebble Beach and 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 yeah. went, and entered and went there and and won in our class in Pebble Beach. You know, the, just all of these car guy things. I want to go to the reunion at Monterey. That that's a track that that's on my that that's on my bucket list. Um, I'm really honestly uh, 
working on some things right now to try and get into an NASCAR modified one more time. You know, they're they're coming back to Martinsville next year. I think it's May eighth of, yep. uh, and I always love that place in a modified. So, um, you know, if uh, if I'm not too old and and NASCAR will permit me, you know, that's something that we're we're going to talk to some people about about getting back in uh, getting back in a modified. And you're talking um, about an actual Wheeling NASCAR modified tour race. The, this is not a vintage show. Oh, this yeah. is a real deal. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm talking about you know, you know. Every time I say I'm going to go do something, you know, Kobe and them guys are like, "Come on, man!" You know, everybody <laughs> they want to give it. I think they want to beat up on me a little bit for some of the stuff we've said about them here and there. But uh, <laughs> you know, um, you know what? That would be great, Ralph. We'll get a two seater, and you and I can call the race from being in the race. I would do it in a heartbeat with you, buddy. As, <laughs> as long as as long as our pal Derek Pernasiglio isn't driving, because we saw what happened when you let him drive your car. Yeah, you know, Derek. Uh, we got to work on Derek's skills a little bit. Uh, so, but yeah, that that that's one of the things that that as I said, I'm looking at, and, and I'm getting the ghost on track at Daytona is uh, is one of the things that that we want to do. You know, with our good our partners with Goodyear and and you know Valvoline and Exalt and all the people that supported that thing. Um, the 200 mile per hour run at Pocono is important. The for it to be on the speedway at Daytona is important, and we want to do a drag strip blast with it, see what this thing would run, uh, how fast it's going to run in a quarter. And I think that will probably, at that point, prove to people how versatile the car is and, and really how incredibly fast it is uh, because, it, again, it's done a lot of surprising things. So just um, looking at that and the compliments that we get on the engineering and and, and things that, that we've done to that car, it uh, – it's become it's become my my baby. My my goal is to do as many different things with that car as I can. I don't think I can get it approved uh, for them to let me run that in the wheel of modified race <laughs> at Martinsville. But it would if it would be good. I think I'd have something for Kobe if I could do that. <laughs> yeah, that would be yeah, that'd be fun to see you go up against Doug Kobe with it. Uh, outside of this, last couple of things I want to talk with you about is you've expanded your businesses as well, not just for fun, but you took over JRI Shocks. And now you're also expanding your vintage restoration that you and the guys are doing over at your shop. Talk a little bit about that and what you have going on there. Well, you know, if you're going to screw around with all this stuff, you got to make some money come from yeah. somewhere. You know, I keep, uh, you know, spending the kids' inheritance doesn't go over too good every uh, every week. But um, JRI Shocks is something, you know, Jeff Ryan is is the primary engineer over there and i've known jeff ryan since we both were at penske worked with him on the development of the penske shock every cup race that i ever won every xfinity bush whatever race that i ever won was won on shocks that jeff ryan worked on and i have so much faith in that guy that when jri wanted to split up the competition and the other uh, guys go over more into the military I had the opportunity to purchase that company and purchase it primarily uh, because I wanted to work with Jeff Ryan again. Uh, put a young man over there named Det Cullum, who's been with me several years, to, to manage it and grow it. And you know, we're we're right now we're we're still going through getting it leveled out, trying to to make sure that all of our races are happy. But we're developing a lot of products, looking at jeeps and trucks, and we've got a really cool Corvette shock that Alex Bowman is is testing and and things for us right now. But I really feel good about. Uh, about where JRI, uh, the direction of that, and it keeps me really connected to, to the racing world 
Uh, and it's something, again, that I feel I have credibility to represent. You know, if, if I had bought a sheetrock company, they'd be like, Ray, what do you know about sheetrock? But if I buy a shock company, people understand that it, it's a good quality product, and we're, we're going to continue to, to try, and make it, try and make it better. And then you're expanding the vintage restoration side as well, because you guys have done a lot of cool cars out of your shop that weren't even for you, they're for other people. Like Scott yeah, Borchetta, for example. Cars. I'm sorry? Like Scott Borchetta. Yeah, we, we did the Marty Robbins car yeah. for Scott Borchetta, and Scott is a really cool guy, and, and, and he's like me. He doesn't just put stuff out for show. He likes to use it. Yeah. So he had us restore the Marty Robbins car, and he actually races that in the uh, um, vintage stock car uh, series that HSR and people like that have, SBRA. Um, and he's won some races with it. Yeah. And, and it's the same car Marty Robbins uh, ran. And, you know, we, we actually just finished. Somehow we've become the Marty Robbins expert. We just finished our third Marty Robbins car, a uh, Dodge Daytona for Pete Cellini. That's going to the big event at, at Talladega that Tim Welburn puts on in October. And uh, we're, we're doing a Trans Am Corvette right now. So we're, I said, look, let's start to open the doors. Uh, we, we call it, it's been our own nickname, Big Iron Garage. Yeah. But we've done a lot of restorations here for myself and we're starting to take on outside customer work, and we're going to start to put some ads, and, and you'll see some commercials and, and some things of, about what we've done. But I really love the vintage race car stuff, and to see the people that bring these in, and we help them, put them together, track down the history, and then put them back on the racetrack. You know, the other day that Marty Robbins car drove by here, and that Hemi engine, Ralph, I can't even explain to you how good it sounded and it gave me such a feeling because i thought to myself that car has not run in that condition since 1969 and we woke it up wow that's really cool all right final question um unlimited budget unlimited time to get it ready what's the one thing if you could do it you'd like to accomplish in this second half of your racing career win the indy 500 as a chief mechanic okay that would be my that would be, you know, win Indy as a, I don't even have to be the owner, you know, but if I could, if I could win Indy as, as a crew chief, that, that would, that's, that would, that's the one that I'm missing. Well, I think you got the captain's phone number somewhere in that phone of yours. You ought to give him a call. <laughs> it's kind of funny. He was kidding around with Jeff uh, Gordon about the Lamar thing. And I and so I quick sent him a text and I said, if you're going, don't forget about me. You know, and uh, I, I'm sure if I asked him, he, he would, uh, he would, he'd do it. But that that that'd be it, Ralph. Um, you know, to, to legitimately um, be the guy on the radio calling the shots, and I don't mean the the race strategist, but I mean getting the car ready, working with things. That, that's it, it's tough now because I'm a crew chief, right? So we were the race strategist, we were the lead engineer. And now they split all those those jobs up, and, and uh, I'd like to go be able to do that the old-fashioned way and and win a race uh, at Indy. That'd be pretty cool. Well, Ray, thank you for taking the time to join us here today. Ralph, anytime, uh, anytime. It's always good to talk racing, and uh, you know, be thinking about that modified deal. I'll, I'll pitch it to Jeff Banky and see if we can't get it done. <laughs> I love it, buddy. I, I'd, I'd love to get into any one of your race cars anytime. Ray Everham joining us here on the Ralph Shaheen Show presented by Lucas Oil. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.